For both our military men and women downrange and our veterans on the home front, we are grateful to the many organizations that support the cause. Today on the Financial Operating Base, we'll speak with Glenn Banton, Executive Director of OSD. Welcome to the Financial Operating Base, a podcast and community to help you, the veteran entrepreneur, to navigate the terrain and accomplish your mission of business success. And joining us today, we have Glenn Banton, CEO and Executive Director of OSD. Glenn, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on, gentlemen. Hey, Glenn, let's jump right in here. Why don't you tell us your background and uh, how you came to where you are now, what you're doing, and about your organization? Hey, I'll, I'll be kind to everybody and give the shortest version possible. Um, essentially, I mean, I'm a byproduct of adult ADD uh, and being able to just find things that are interesting and fulfilling and working with cool people. I, I you know, basically dissolve it down to uh, people process and problem solving. I mean, it goes all the way back to um, jobs and opportunities I had even into high school where I was leading engineering teams. Um, you know, when I went to college, uh, I graduated in three years, probably not because I'm any smarter than anybody. I was just bored. Uh, so you know, I just wanted to get the heck out of there uh, and go into the workplace. Um, you know, you, you look a little bit for, forward and a lot of the roles would be, uh, you know, sales oriented, product oriented, uh, strategic roles, um, tech industry and others. Um, and really where I think started, things started to get really interesting was uh, probably, I guess, six, seven plus years ago when I was at a company and we helped build products for Disney and Fox. But on the flip side, we were doing things like um, smart weapon systems uh, for some different developers and uh, future soldier uh, types of things. So um, I myself, I'm a civilian. I've just been working in the veteran space for uh, 15 plus years. Um, I found that uh, we like a lot of the same toys. Um, when I show up at work, I just want to get stuff done um, and focus on that. And I find that a lot of the, uh, the vets have had the pleasure of working with and mentoring. Uh, believe in a lot of the same. Uh, but even when I got brought on to OSD, it was just all about like, how do we turn what at the time uh, was a, a hobby charity, as I'd refer to it, into something that is sustainable and can grow and, you know, be this next great hundred year uh, nonprofit organization. So what is the mission of OSD? What is it that you guys do day to day, month to month, year to year? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, kind of going back in time, we were started by sending video game care packages, um, you know, called supply drops. And, and really what that was addressing was you know, the fact that a lot of these care packages going overseas had, you know, socks and baby wipes and, you know, all sorts of hygiene products. And especially now today, the majority of that stuff ends up in a dumpster. I mean, not that it's not appreciated. There's just so much sitting around that can't be enjoyed. But um, we were sending video games and board games. And now, I mean, we literally send coffee by the tons um, from partners, including the Starbucks and, and Black Rifle Coffee, among others. Um, but as that was growing and about the time I came on, a lot of these men and women were supporting with that program. Uh, started reaching out, asking how they could help, how they could get involved, what other services, uh, you know, could we provide? And, you know, myself as, you know, strategist in business looked at the, you know, VSO space to the whole. And there's, again, a lot of just incredible organizations, but many are extremely narrow and very deep. So very um, 
topic based, uh, you know, they could be uh, very regional, uh, very city specific. And then I'd hear these stories about, you know, some, you know, guy or gal getting out and having to work with you know, 17 different organizations for a bunch of different things. And at best, the organizations didn't speak with one another. And worst case, they were actually belligerent to one another. And we kind of took this um, stab at, well, what if OSD grows into this organization that um, can be kind of the warm blanket over a lot of this and, and essentially based on our values adapt to the needs of a specific region or city, you know, through our chapters. So if there happens to be, um, you know, hiring our heroes that has a chapter that's or a location that's super active in a city, we'll lean on them. If in another city, you know, Google is, is super active, we'll lean on them. Um, and really just providing, you know, these services from active duty through transition and then into thriving. So what that's turned into today is essentially three pillars. We've got um, social connectivity, uh, we've got our professional development and community service, and really we're just trying to make sure that veterans are able to thrive. Um, and that's not, obviously not just the vet, that's also their family. And that includes everything from, you know, cigar nights to jujitsu to, you know, hiking and running and fishing and hunting. Um, to professional development. Um, we're really finding OSD is becoming the leadership and execution arm for a lot of large corporate uh, ERGs. So, you know, employee resource groups, lots of veterans in there, lots of uh, military spouses, but there's no real direction because it's a um, not a well-defined program in a lot of these companies. And then lastly is that community service element. I mean, I've always believed that, you know, our purpose here on earth is to serve others, um, especially once we can get our own household squared away. And still, you know, if you're in a tough spot, I think one of the best things also for mental health and wellness is, is helping others, help lift them up to lift yourself up. And, you know, those values have just built this powerhouse of an organization where just a few weeks ago we announced uh, surpassing our million served milestone and uh, committed to the next million by the end of 2021. That's awesome. Um, can you break it down for a little bit, uh, break it down for us a little bit? Um, maybe, you know, give an example of an initiative um, that you or a partner firm started and how you walked it all the way through from idea to fruition and, and you know, one or two success stories um, sort of that lend from that. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, one of them, I, you start with some of the simple ones. Um, you know, at one point, uh, we had a couple people reach out and wanted to do kind of some pilot programs inside of this ecosystem we built. And one looked at the supply drop program, which was essentially um, you know, video games and board games and, and coffee, as we mentioned, among other things, and said, well, what if we did a similar model, but it was uh, books? for, you know, entrepreneurs or, you know, transitioning, uh, transitioning veterans. And we really dug into it. I mean, we didn't want to just send out all the very obvious, like, here's a professional development book, your cliche stuff, because really what we've found is professional development is just as much about uh, communications development and relationship development. And that was a program we piloted the end of last year, um, gentleman named uh, Barry, he's actually running that he's, he's uh, in the Midwest. And I mean, we've had fantastic support from Simon Sinek and Jocko Willink and, um, you know, uh, the Keller Williams team, like all these different companies, because what they found is we're not just one and done. Here's a book, go enjoy it. Our goal is to utilize that as an anchor to then build a relationship back into our other programs. Uh, similarly, another uh, great example, again, more on the video game side is you know, over time, 
you know, the supply drop program is based on physical product, but that industry itself continues to transition to be more and more digital with different platforms like Steam or Xbox Live or even the PlayStation Store. And a lot of the developers we're working with wanted to support what's going on, um, but we need to be able to handle these, you know, digital keys that, you know, some sort of hexadecimal uh, key that could be sent between places. But we wanted to make sure we were delivering them, A, in a secure manner, and B, you know, how do we actually vet the veterans that, uh, or the service members that are utilizing it? Uh, so we'd reached out, we partnered with ID.me, we built a fully custom platform, and that ended up building a lot of trust with the developers. And the interesting, uh, timely part is this past week, about three dozen media outlets, as well as the uh, VA's nationwide newsletter, without our knowledge, picked up the uh, that program, the Games to Grunts program, and it went out to literally millions of people. I mean, we were getting like 150 hits a minute on that that particular platform, and uh, now we have to go out and find more products. So there's a lot of just interesting insights in that. I think for you know, any entrepreneur that's listening is we're constantly moving. We're constantly looking at new ways to reach these different audiences. But, you know, a lot of the bets you make going forward, you really don't know, you know, when it's going to pan out, how it's going to play out. And then, oh, shoot, what happens if it goes right? And I, I like those type of problems uh, to be able to solve them. It, it's extremely exciting. That's awesome. I mean, you lost me at hexadecimal, but I was an <laughs> infantry guy. So that, that makes perfect sense. Um, Jeff? <laughs> well, one thing we've talked about on previous episodes is how even though um, in this case you're with a nonprofit, it's still an organization, it's still a team that's providing a service, and it's ultimately um, still a business. So tell us about a, a business lesson or two or something that you've kind of gleaned or come across um, in terms of organizational business management or strategy. Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you point that out. I mean, I think where a lot of people get it wrong is a nonprofit is a business. We just actually have a more strict set of rules that we have to apply to with the IRS. Um, and further, I think where most nonprofits fail or uh, certainly don't succeed as well as they could is, is not functioning and using normal business practices. Um, ours, with all this, this growth, I mean, really, uh, branding has been one of the biggest challenges, branding and messaging, because we are constantly trying to keep up with the needs of our constituents. So again, that's the veterans, it's the service members, it's their families. And that could make, you know, one program, a new program pop up today that's certainly needed by our constituency, but then there could be another one two weeks from now. And so, you know, our original name um, is Operation Supply Drop. And that was something that for years ended up being this, this challenge uh, from a communications perspective as we we're growing, because the Supply Drop program today is one program underneath a pillar underneath the entire organization. And being able to figure out, you know, when do you do that branding? How do you adjust the messaging? How do you push that out to the partners? Um, and the timing of it is, is incredibly important when it comes to funding. Because in the nonprofit world, I mean, the, the buyer, if you will, is actually the, the donor um, and the actual, you know, customer, if you will, in our case is the veteran. And so they're slightly detached and we have to, we have to really figure out how do we make it so it makes sense so that a veteran wants to partake in the service, but how do we message it in a way that allows a donor or a corporation to want to underwrite it? Uh, so it's just, again, it's, and those don't always align, but it, it, it certainly makes things uh, fun and interesting. So this is, this is, it's not boring. There's not a day that, you know, you wake up and go, oh, this is going to be boring. It's more of a matter of 
what crazy thing is going to happen today that we didn't expect and how are we going to deal with it? You have an incredible list uh, of sponsors and partners where you talk about uh, getting participation. Um, and you, you seem like you rub shoulders with some pretty impressive people. I mean, we were trying to get you on the show uh, a week or two ago, but um, you had to turn us down because you had to meet with uh, Karen Pence, the second lady of the United States. Um, what was that for and, and how did that go? Yeah, I mean, that was a pleasure to go to. I was invited because um, I actually serve on the uh, SBA's Veteran Business Affairs uh, with Liz. She's actually the head of the military spouse program over at Hiring Our Heroes, as well as the, uh, the chairman of the board I'm on. And it just turned out she was going to be in Austin because uh, Hiring Our Heroes has been doing these incredible initiatives around military spouses. Um, you know, we're making a lot of progress, obviously, within veteran hiring. Um, and more importantly, making sure the veterans are not underemployed. Uh, but when I started looking at the statistics around you know, military spouses, it's pretty incredible. Like their unemployment rate, depending upon the, uh, the study, pushes like 30, 30%. It's pretty incredible. And so what we were actually launching was the state of Texas and Governor Abbott were turning the state into uh, essentially an ex economic development zone for military spouses. So they're going to start pushing a lot more legislation to encourage um, military spouse hiring, um, doing a lot more education around the benefits of mill spouse hiring, um, which again, are actually really similar to, to veterans. Uh, but the biggest challenge that, you know, many listening would understand is, you know, when you're moving around constantly, it's, it's hard to develop a relationship with a physical office that you have to go into. So they're fantastic candidates for all sorts of jobs that are, um, that are remote. And I mean, even, you know, even at uh, OSD, you know, a, a lot of our team is, is mill spouses um, because we like the fact that we don't have to maintain this massive office with, you know, people from the, from the same space. So um, that ha actually happens to be uh, one of uh, Mrs. Pence's platforms is, is military spouses. Um, she's got a couple now in her family because, um, I believe they have uh, one, soon to be two, if I understand. I'm trying to follow it all. Uh, sons that um, that uh, currently serve. And she's just really taken time to sit down and say, hey, what do you need? Because if we look at, again, the entire uh, family unit, if we look at some of the challenges with retention in the military right now, uh, it's been called out that if you can't make sure the spouse is happy and the family's okay with you know mom or dad serving for 20, 25 plus years, you're losing all that top end talent and knowledge. And so they really want to make sure that, you know, these men and women that are spouses are able to have that fulfillment and that personal drive and really be able to be there and support their family in an effort to also ensure that, you know, the, the family member that is serving can stay in as long as they need to, to fulfill their own goals. Yeah. I mean, ultimately that's, that's a, a really beneficial um, readiness function and feature is to, um, bring fulfillment to the whole family and not just the service member. And, and Joe, and I see that a lot in, in the business community is that, you know, the veteran community is strong, but military spouses are a part of that community. And there's a long way to go, but um, the awareness of that is, is starting to make great strides, even when we think about things like entrepreneurship and certainly hiring um, and other avenues of business, because that certainly is a um, very important and very valuable resource. I mean, where one person may be disadvantaged because they're moving around all the time, that creates um, a sense of resourcefulness 
um, that now goes a long way in the current economy. Um, so that's a great thing to be um, contributing to and helping out with. Um, and, and we in our community are, are very driven to help and give back um, and participate in that type of service towards others in the community. So what advice um, would you give to someone, whether it's a, a veteran or a mill spouse or someone that's just passionate about the community like yourself? What advice would you give them as they think about contributing to the veteran community or starting a service obligation or, or a nonprofit? You know, what advice would you give them? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. I mean, the, the main advice is it's really, I have this mentality of you know, one plus one times infinity. Um, so it's figuring out how do you impact one person at a time in the same way, if you're somebody that's out trying to network, looking for a job, you know, if you can't make that first connection and relationship, how are you going to make the second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, and so on. Um, you know, and then from the, you know, from the, Hey, I want to get involved in this community. Really that that's a lot of where my advocacy has been coming out is, you know, to, to fellow civilians, especially other business leaders. I, I love the pedigree of a lot of the entrepreneurial spirit that comes out of the veteran space, mainly because it is, it's very no nonsense. You know, it's more likely that the businesses we're, we're working with are, I'd say more traditionally tied to American dream of, you know, I want to be profitable and I want to leave a legacy for my family as opposed to not necessarily a bad thing, but many of the just more general businesses I've worked with say things like, you know, I want to sell to Google. Like that's their, their mission. I'm like this, you know, you're, you're missing the point. Uh, so I, I think, you know, diving in, you could join, whether it's an OSD uh, chapter event, you know, work with the bunker labs, you know, figure out when programs like Google's VetNet or you know, I've even learned, you know, Oracle has this very large program, uh, Maven, you know, an acronym where M stands for military, V probably stands for veterans and N probably stands for network. Um, but being able to just reach out and say, Hey, you know, how can I, how can I be of service? How can I help? And then finding really one person to really, uh, you know, link up with and go from there. I, I agree. And actually the, the corporate outreach has been fantastic. Um, I work with the bunker labs chapter here in Atlanta and I actually went, um, I went to Google for startups training about two weeks ago for the day. And the outreach from Google uh, was very impressive. Uh, in wanting to give back to to veterans uh, and all entrepreneurs in general, um, let, let me ask you a little bit on maybe the downside of uh, nonprofits and veteran service organizations. Last number I saw was there's probably forty thousand um, veteran service organizations in the country that we know about. Um, now, just you know, being being you know probabilistic, they're not all going to be successful. What they're doing, they're not all going to have you know high talent, quality driven people at the top, like your organization. Um, you know, what would you say about, you know, maybe the veteran service organizations that aren't doing well, maybe aren't fulfilling their mission? What, what's the future for them? Uh, I, I think, and again, I say this at scale, it's, they need, a lot of them need to uh, dissolve or join. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's the, it's the join or die uh, mentality, uh, mainly because a lot of them, again, are so narrow in their focus or uh, very specific to a certain geography that it just limits their ability. I mean, I was talking with, um, let's just put this, an, another nonprofit, not formally in the veteran space that does a lot of funding and grants for veteran nonprofit. And they were very straightforward. They said, Hey, if you're in the veteran space and your primary focuses aren't San Diego, Texas, and Northern Florida, like we've got nothing for you. And they weren't saying that like veterans in the other spaces 
like they're overlooking them. They're not. They're actually putting a lot of emphasis there. But if you can't play in those big spaces where there's huge population of veterans, you got a lot of work to do. Um, but I think a lot of those too is just understanding, you know, what are you actually trying to accomplish? And I, I have run across way too many people, veteran space and otherwise, that are having trouble, you know, finding their professional passion. And so some, you know, black light bulb goes off in their brain and says, I should start a nonprofit, which is like the most asinine conclusion to come through because you're essentially saying I'm already having trouble doing things the quote unquote normal way. So let's just take a harder path. Um, But we've actually as an organization, we've uh, acquired a number of smaller orgs or kind of taken them under our wing or under our umbrella when they fit into our values and they're led by, by a very um, passionate individual that understands their forte is not growing the business. You know, their forte is the actual service they're a part of. Uh, so essentially, unless you're, you know, horse therapy up in Bozeman, Montana, because that makes sense. You've got a ranch, you've got stables, you've got essentially a fixed amount of, you know, assets or, you know, horses, and you've got a fixed amount of veterans you work with. Like, that's good. That's an inclusive service. But if you've got something that's a little bit less, um, a, a little bit less, defined and you're trying to grow all over the place like you gotta you have to understand what the marketplace looks like you know dare i say the competitive part of it and make some decisions about where you want to go and sometimes that realization is you could go get a job working for another company making a bunch of money and you know work five hours a week and still have your nonprofit grow and really make an impact while at the same time not allowing that nonprofit to potentially damage or hurt your family um, because it takes so much time and attention. Well, that's exactly to your point earlier that um, running a nonprofit, running a service organization, you're running a business and you have to run it well. You have to staff it properly. You have to be funded. You have to go out and do your um, market research uh, as far as, you know, who your potential customers are um, and how they want to be served. So, um, the, the parallels are uncanny. And, and even uh, at the Bunker Labs chapter in Atlanta, we have people that come through uh, the Bunker Labs training that are, that are going to run nonprofits or are running nonprofits um, because it is a business. So I agree with you 100%. So if we think about some of these kind of big picture strategic um, commonalities between a nonprofit and a for-profit, you still have to have a plan and you still have to look to the future. So uh, what's in the future for OSD? Where are you going and uh, what is your vision there? Yeah, I think a lot of the future has more to do with uh, continuing to define a lot of these co-branding opportunities we do. I think our programs are incredibly well set up. Um, they're scaling really well. A lot of it's because we, we drive everything with process. It's just a matter of keeping, you know, funding up with demand. Uh, and again, it's, you know, similar business. It's supply and demand. Uh, our demand is high. Our supply is low, but this isn't like we can go just make more of what we do because we don't produce our services internally. They're produced by external funding. Um, but we've had a lot of these successes where, you know, I've mentioned some of these partners, but essentially with, you know, with Starbucks, we're really closely values aligned with them and we're executing on a lot of their um, longer term vision to tell this story where, you know, we're providing a lot of the coffee overseas as well as working with a lot of their um, military stores, I think, as they're calling them. And it's because they want to be able to show that local store that maybe is right outside of uh, Fort Hood in Texas that, hey, we're supporting third cab that's deployed right now. Um, similarly, 
you know, we'll have uh, partners like Ice, ice Shaker, um, which uh, Chris Gronkowski is the, the main owner on that one. They're an ice, uh, sorry, they're a Shark Tank um, uh, company as well. But, you know, they have one of these buy one, give one programs uh, associated with military. But the volume they do, we're essentially the only company in the world and this company and this that can execute on that to provide that type of volume of product to, you know, to the military to fulfill their social responsibility needs internally. So we're approaching a lot of those partnerships, again, co-branding and storytelling. You know, if, if you're a company that wants to look at a long-term sustained approach to weaving military families, uh, veterans into your marketing, we're, we're that. And again, that sounds like a lot of the business side of how you would develop partnerships uh, externally. It's just a lot more, I'd say, um, meaningful and certainly important for our business to be able to grow and succeed. No, I, th I think that's the right approach. Um, we've come across many um, corporate folks locally here in Atlanta or in other places around the country. Uh, I want to help, but I don't know how because we don't have veterans in our organization or we don't have uh, a veterans business resource group inside the organization to help guide. And, and I know that they want to get involved and they want to be supportive, but guidance from organizations like yours, I think, make that possible on a sustainable basis. So that's fantastic. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we, we ask all the guests that come on the show um, if there's an inspirational quote or famous quote that um, helps guide them, or maybe it's a quote we can attribute to you. Um, <laughs> what do you have for us that we can share with the audience? Yeah, and that's, that's, that's a good one. Um, you know, in my case, I'm sure there's a, a bunch of quotes I could read off, and I've, I've literally on the backgrounds of all my devices have these different quotes. But the main thing I actually remind myself, it's not something I ever quote myself saying, but it is my own words. It's that I'm a byproduct of others taking risks on me up until this point in time. Um, it's probably the most common thing I say in any mentorship uh, relationship I've had, just to understand that if you can't develop relationships, if you can't figure out and make yourself understandable to others, you won't get ahead. I mean, we, none of us can do anything completely on our own in a vacuum. It's actually impossible. And if you realize that, I think, you know, it's kind of scary because you have to let go. Um, but really it's, it's about, you know, almost it's, it's, you need to serve others in order to help yourself because it's, it's just about creating those relationships and that community and that network. That's phenomenal. And it speaks to that concept. Like you mentioned that you know, we don't, we don't achieve success by ourselves. We're helped all around us and, and therefore we should make a conscious effort to help and give back. So um, how can someone reach out to you if they, if they want to support your organization, get involved, or even just kind of pick your brain on some of the stuff you talked about today? Yeah, I appreciate that. So on the OSD side, uh, we are OSD.org. Um, that is most of what you're looking for. We're also on the socials. For me personally, it's Glenn Banton. That's with a B. Um, you can look me up on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and certainly with LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there. All I ask is if you send a connection request, just you know, in the message, say you heard it here. Um, so just have a little bit of context. But I'm, I'm always willing to help um, when I have the time and certainly help people get to that next point or, or make introductions anywhere that I can. Hey, one more interesting fact here. We understand that you are a Kentucky Colonel. Uh, what does that mean? And explain a little bit of what that is and how that came about. No, I, I, that's always a good question. Um, I will tell you, it doesn't mean I get a lifetime supply of Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, which most people think. Uh, <laughs> essentially, uh, Kentucky Colonels, it was formed, I believe, in around 1813, uh, after the War of 1812, and the governor of Kentucky 
wanted to find a way to, you know, recognize service to the Commonwealth of Kentucky. And, you know, over the years, it's recognized, you know, tons of famous people, you know, Muhammad Ali and, and George Bush and Winston Churchill. And I think um, Teddy Roosevelt, I believe he's on there, which is pro probably my favorite uh, person in history. Um, but even myself, because the next question is, well, you've never lived in Kentucky and it uh, doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, in order to become a Kentucky colonel, again, it's a recognition of service and you have to be nominated by other Kentucky colonels. And so I was nominated by uh, two, um, one of uh, both of which are actually on the team here with OSD. And again, it's just a recognition for, you know, service in general. Um, and a lot of it's focusing on veterans issues and also children and committing to continue to do that. So um, if I do ever go out to Kentucky Derby, there is a special area there for Kentucky colonels. So that sounds like that could be extra fun. But uh, otherwise, again, it's just more of a commitment to uh, continue to serve, which is, which is certainly what I'm all about. Very cool. Well-deserved. Glenn, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for taking the time and sharing your insights. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Glenn Banton, Executive Director of OSD. We'll leave you with this quote from British author James Allen. No duty is more urgent than that of returning thanks. Thanks for joining us on the Financial Operating Base podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so send us your questions or feedback to financialoperatingbase at gmail.com.